Hey, I'm Mike TV, the band Get Set Go, and today's episode is about misanthropy, of which I have written many songs that engage in a misanthropic perspective. And if you only listen to those songs, you'd think me a curmudgeon, most certainly, a pessimist, very likely, but ultimately, I think, just an unmitigated asshole. And of course, you know, maybe I am. I don't think so, but maybe. I do try to be kind and considerate and thoughtful and accommodating. I try to be a good neighbor, a decent participant in this vast social experiment that is humankind, but I often get my fill of people. Their casual indifference, their extreme moral relativity, their self-entitlement, their greed, their cruelty, their viciousness, their arrogance, their lack of intellectual curiosity that is in direct inverse proportion to their know-it-allness. Anyway, so yeah, when I get overwhelmed by people as a whole or as individuals, it usually bubbles up out of me as a song. Of course, I don't really hate people at all, but I certainly do hate certain behaviors. And that is what this episode is about, so strap on your party helmets and come trip the light sarcastic. Let's take the Wayback Machine to 2005. Let me set the scene. My bandmate of over a decade, Pat Flores, aka Dr. Moto, has just left the band. He and his wife got pregnant, and even though his argument for leaving was that he just wouldn't have time for the band with the new kid, I truly think that, yes, that was a truly huge factor, and I don't want to put words in his mouth, but to me, it also feels like he was just simply worn out with my intensely self-destructive chaos. But his leaving the band paralyzes me. I've never made music without Pat. He was the guy that knew how music was made. I mean, I was just the fumbling songwriting machine that literally knew a handful of open chords and bar chords, and, and that was it. So Pat was the guy that took my crazy Frankenstein song structures and made them sound great. So I was, I was just paralyzed. And due to my paralysis, our virtuosic drummer Amy Wood joins our good friends the Dolly Rots and starts touring with them. So Gets It Go goes from being a ferocious three-piece that could literally set the stage on fire just by us walking up on it to just me, on my Todd, you know, all alone. And I'm a train wreck. My life is drug-addled. I have no band. My purpose has been utterly thwarted. And it's during this stretch of time, before, during, and after, that I write the bulk of the album Ordinary World. And these songs are not written with an album in mind. In fact, they're not even written with an audience in mind. They're written as a way for me to take all of my existential dread and all of my heartache and all of my self-loathing and put it outside of myself, if, if only temporarily. You know, if I can write about being an asshole and recognizing that I am an asshole, then it makes my being an asshole a little more bearable because it becomes part of my story. It becomes contextualized. If I can write heartfelt songs about why the pain is driving me to behave in bizarre and awful ways, that I have license to keep behaving that way, right? Because I've explained it. Yes, I know, it's crazy. I know, I know. But, but this was the way my brain was working at the time. And so this is where songs like Mean and Murder by Millions come from. And if I write songs explaining to my potential romantic partners that I'm a fiery hot mess and should be touched with care, or better yet, just touched not at all, then again, those songs become part of the... I guess the caricature or the mask that is Mike TV. They become part of the legend of Mike TV. And thus the songs stay away a little more, get through the day, all of these songs are written. And so as I'm writing these songs as a form of armchair self-therapy, I realized that I needed to write a song that captured what it felt like to find yourself in the middle of a just terrible day. Because I had had so many, you know, 
uh, there's days where nothing goes right. And every person, every situation feels like an obstacle, a difficult to surmount impediment that leads to another impossible to overcome obstacle that leads to another mountain and another and another. And you just want to scream. Like while you're driving, lights take way longer than they should. No one uses blinkers. Everyone is driving either dangerously fast or life-threateningly slow. There are ambulances and car crashes and unsafe pedestrians, all of which are specifically targeting you just to fuck up your day. Or you go shopping and the entire population of a small country is just roaming the store. People are blocking every lane of commerce and just chatting away completely oblivious to you and your desire to move past them. And when you ask them politely, hey, hey, can I get through? They look at you with open hostility and then grudgingly allow a tiny sliver of space for you to pass by. Or you're going to lunch and your favorite restaurant is out of your favorite dish. In fact, they're also out of your favorite backup dish. Oh, and there's a new employee, and this a new employee doesn't know you, and doesn't know that you're a regular, and makes you wait interminably longer than necessary as they chat with another guest. In fact, it's a guest you've never seen before. They're not a regular. And of course, you don't want to feel entitled, but it's your place, man. And it's been invaded by strangers, you know? And it just goes on and on and on, and it's persistent, and it's perpetual, and it starts in the morning, and goes all day long, and it's just conflict, and obstacles, and angry disposition and hostile encounters galore. Um, and we have all of us had those days, right? Where we're just out of sync with the universe. We're square pegs for round holes, gears grinding and smoke billowing everywhere we go. So I sat down to write a song that, that tried to capture that feeling. And the first one I wrote was called Bad Day. And then in parentheses, I'm having A. It, it was fine. I mean, but it was only fine. I still play it occasionally in my live stream on Twitch, but it was just pitched a bit too vitriolic for my taste. It was a little too angry. And so as I want to do, rather than reworking that one and just sorting it out, I uh, simply wrote another song. <laughs> um, and now this other song, I, we will talk about later in this episode because this, uh, this other one worked and it's one of my hit songs, but it was written very much for and about an individual that is sowing discord and grief in your life. And I wanted something different. I wanted a song that was all-encompassing. I wanted a song that included everyone and everything. A song that captured the peak and pinnacle of frustration and furious exasperation that comes with a day of constant struggle. You know, not just, not just an individual that's grieving you, but when it feels like the whole world is your enemy. And the day before we went into the studio to start recording Ordinary World, uh, Get Psycho's second record, I actually had a day exactly like the one I just described. It was just nonstop frustration. As I was trying to get all of my ducks in a row for a couple weeks of recording, obviously a time of celebration, I was just saddled with nonstop aggravation. Nothing was easy. Nothing happened without like 20 extra steps or an a half hour of extra waiting, or technology failing, or orders not being right, or too much traffic, or too slow lines. Like, I just wanted to scream at the top of my lungs and then never stop. So I decided I would cherry pick a casual, nondescript encounter from this day of horrors that was supremely challenging, and then balance it with a more overtly confrontational brouhaha that occurred just a little bit later in that very same day. And from this little stew of moments, I would transform these maddening encounters into a song that I could share with the world. It was going to be my joyful, jubilant, ebullient middle finger to a universe that was nothing but a big fucking bully. <laughs> Yeah. 
Some stupid chick in the checkout line Was paying for beers with nickels and dimes And some old man had clipped coupons And argued whenever they wouldn't take one All I wanted to buy was some cigarettes But I couldn't take it anymore So I left, I hate everyone I hate everyone This is what I love about music. You can bundle up a whole swath of different and often conflicting emotions, set them to song, and then sing along at the top of your lungs. Some fucking asshole just cut me off and gave me the finger when I fucking honked. Then he proceeded to put on the brakes. He slammed on the brakes, but I made a mistake. When I climbed out of the van, he was waiting, but he was 6'3 and 200 pounds of Satan. I hate everyone. to Hesitation Cuts Episode 8, the show where together we peel back the layers of the onion only to discover that there is no soft, chewy center, only pungent smells, and lots and lots of tears. In this episode, we discuss people and how awful they can be, and how sometimes through music you can lean into the vitriol without losing your cheery disposition.
So earlier in the episode, I mentioned that I ended up writing three songs about having a bad day. The first was called Bad Day, and then with a parenthetical, I'm having a... Um, that, to my ear, felt a little bit too acerbic, a little bit too venomous. And then just before we went into the studio, I wrote I Hate Everyone, which is my misanthropic anthem, and the song that you just actually just heard, a song that was embraced by Grey's Anatomy, included on their Grammy-nominated soundtrack, Grey's Anatomy Volume 2, a song that I have played thousands of times since the album dropped in January of 2006. I mean, it's a hit. One of the few songs that I can legitimately make that claim about. Um, it's been heard by hundreds of millions of people. Hopefully enjoyed, but most certainly heard. Um, but during this period of trying to write songs that captured the essence of a bad day, I realized that one main contributor to my having a terrible day was often just a shitty person. Just one shitty person can train wreck a whole day, or a week, or a month, or, or your life, right? Like, once I was in Germany, now, of course, I don't speak Deutsche or German, as we Americans call it, so I was trying to catch a train out of Cologne heading up to Hanover, and I just didn't understand the layout of the tracks. So I went up to an information kiosk with time running out, and I asked the one phrase of German that I did know, which was Entschuldigung, sprechen Sie English, which translated, it means, excuse me, do you speak English? To which the older fellow sitting at the kiosk shakes his head and says, no. So, undaunted and still feeling pleasantly disposed towards this fellow, I point at my ticket, which has the number of the track that I'm looking for, and I wave my hand at the confusing track entrances, and then hold up my hands to indicate I don't know what to do. Do you know where I should go? Can you point me in the right direction? To which this fucking asshole <laughs> smiles at me, a fucking smug, self-satisfied smile, and says, no sprechen Sie English. Um, and like, I'm like, dude, you don't need to speak English. Just point me in the right direction. But this guy knew I was crippled because I couldn't speak the language and time was running out for me to catch the train and he wanted to see me squirm. And it is this kind of behavior that makes me want to kill someone. Or having spent the first 22 years of my adult life in Los Angeles, I spent an inordinate amount of time in cars. I mean, spending six hours in a car in a single day just getting around was like a regular occurrence. Not going anywhere far, just living in the city, getting about, often entailed hours of driving. In fact, a buddy and I wrote a screenplay for a romantic comedy called Merge, where 90% of the movie takes place in cars, because in LA, that's where most of your connecting happens, getting to and from places, an, an hour or more to get into work, an hour or more to get out of work, an hour just to grab dinner at night, an hour to go shopping, a couple hours because you got caught in late night bumper-to-bumper -bumper traffic for no discernible reason at all. And sometimes in those instances, you run across super self-entitled dangerous drivers that drive with significant disregard for their fellow drivers that often feels like openly and actively hostile, which it may very well be. But I can't truly ascribe open hostility when it's more than likely just plain tunnel vision, you know? Like those people that drive down busy streets with a 40 mile an hour speed limit going 15 because they're looking for an address and they just can't be bothered to go the speed of traffic, spot their address, drive past it, turn around, know they're going to make the 30 cars behind them also go 15 miles an hour while they find the goddamn address. Which, actually, give me a moment to digress, because there's something about being locked within the safety of a car that ends up revealing a pretty startling reflection of the driver. Um, I mean, I'm figuring that people that don't use their blinkers are probably just not very good at communicating in general, right? 
Because people that do understand communication in person also realize it's important to communicate while you're driving. It engenders the smooth and harmonious flow of traffic when you let your fellow drivers know what your intentions are. Um, so people that can't internalize that are probably terrible at communicating outside of the car. And self-entitled drivers that run stop signs and cut off other drivers and ride asses so close that a sudden braking is certainly going to destroy both cars. People that blow through red lights and all manner of other dangerous driving behaviors, they're probably not going to then climb out of the car and be less reckless in their normal day-to-day, -day, right? Driving is a little crystallization of who we are as individuals. Flighty people who have a hard time paying attention to their surroundings in their day-to-day -day don't suddenly become hypervigilant in the car. Angry people who spout venom and invective at work certainly don't suddenly become paragons of patience in the car. Of course, I, I haven't done a study, so maybe I'm wrong. I mean, I have known some crazy drivers that were wonderful people, but I also think that what spurs them to drive like maniacs, myself included, whatever that chaos is, lives in them always. And I do have to admit, in the interest to full disclosure that I often have a very heavy foot when I find that I'm surrounded by people that are not driving as if they want to get where they are going. Anyway, sorry, going back to what I was saying. When you run across these fucking assholes, when you encounter someone that is toxicity incarnate, a fucking pustule of self-serving selfishness, a cancer wrapped in an STD, swaddled in vomit, when you run across them, particularly when you're powerless to do anything, or if you do push back, the consequences can be disastrous. They're, they're your boss, they're an instructor, they're in a position of authority, blah, blah, blah. Sometimes, in fact, oftentimes, I can tell you from experience, often, it's just much, much easier to sing. song was written, I had never encountered a tune that expressed the anger that I felt, but also the powerlessness, right? This song is intended to be the anthem of the overwhelmed, the beleaguered, the put upon, and the beset. Die, motherfucker die, I'll burn up both your eyes, and fill the sockets full of lies. And I'll turn it to a bowl that'll eat my cereal with while I watch the thin stones and I I'll do it with a smile Cause I I'm having a bad day So get out of my 
People suck. I mean, you know, for the most part. As a collective, we human beings are easily duped. We're venal, prone to tribalism and greed, short-sighted, self-centered, self-important, intellectually lazy. I mean, at least that's what I think most days. And it's not healthy. I know that. It's just, it just sucks that unfortunately, the world around me provides constant evidence all day long that doesn't refute this pointedly dismal perspective. But at the same time, I, I also know that there is kindness and comedy and love and laughter and all the things that make life such a joy to participate in. But for every little kindness, someone holding open a door, uh, waving at you as you walk your dog, or letting you go before them in line, for every instance of awesome, there seems to be a hundred instances of, I don't care about you, you're not even a person to me. You know? <laughs> And then you add in my own personal brain chemistry and things get even worse because when a foul humor, when a dark cloud descends upon me, often without warning and without preamble, there is no changing it. It wraps itself around me like all of the horrors of Mordor are traveling in its wake. And through this veil of dark humor, all I see around me is despair and heartache and misery and every shade of sadness and weariness that my tortured head can conjure. And in my nearly 50 years on this planet, I've learned that I can't dispel this cloud. All I can do is manage it or try to. I can be aware that, oh, Mike, you're not in your right head right now, so be a little more careful and try to see your behavior through the eyes of the people you care about. And that seems to work for the most part, but every now and again, there's just no stopping the hurricane that the dark cloud presages. Um, and when the hurricane hits, 
It is always a doozy and people do drown. It has killed friendships, it has ruined relationships, and it always leaves a ton of wreckage. So knowing this, it is absurdly annoying when a friend or acquaintance tells me that happiness is a choice, man, that all I need to do is examine my life critically and I'll see that my life is blessed. I have a roof over my head. I make music for a living. I have someone I love. I have humorous and huggable pets. And the list goes on and on and they're, they're absolutely right. Certainly they are. It's just that my brain refuses to listen when I am like this. I'm miserable, I feel down, all I can see is the struggle and the work and the lack of response to both. I hyperfixate. There is no explaining it. There is no assuaging it. There's nothing that I've ever done that has fixed it. So listening to my friends and acquaintances pep talk, what I hear is them effectively telling me that I just don't know how to think, that I am prioritizing the wrong things, and that if I could just be more like them, my life would be so much happier, which obviously rubs me the wrong way. I mean, if they can truly, simply just decide to be happy, that is awesome. That's amazing. I am very envious of them, but that's not me. And please, for the love of God, just let me be me. Gumdrops and lollipops and chocolate candy canes Rainbows and Cheerios and Tootsie Rolls fall like rain I'm so happy, 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 I'm so fucking happy, hey I'm so goddamn happy now, won't you go away I'm so fucking happy that I'll puke away the day I'm so very happy that I think I'm going gay La 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 la, are you happy too? La 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 la, what is wrong with you? La 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 la, it's another happy day La 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 la, won't you come out and play? Hey, let's get those blues away so this is what goes on in my head when I hear someone prattle on about how blessed my life is and when I find myself struggling every day to keep myself and my family afloat. Puppy dogs and singing frogs and unicorns riding bikes. Sunday funnies and fluffy bunnies and everything else I like. I'm so happy, 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 I'm so happy, don't you know? I'm so goddamn happy now, won't you fucking go? I'm so fucking happy that I'll punch you in the nose Electrocute your genitals until your eyeballs glow La 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 la, are you happy too? La 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 la, what is wrong with you? La 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 la, it's another happy day La 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 la, won't you come out and Scare those blues away Baby, are you blue? 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 You know, I think it's okay to feel bad, to feel down, to feel hurt. It's just also important to find a way to wrangle those feelings, which is why I write songs. I'm so happy, 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 I'm so happy I could cry. 
I'm so fucking happy, I'm so happy all the time I'm so gosh darn happy but I'm not gonna lie I'm so very happy, I'm so happy I could die So yes, I've often used humor to tackle the more persistent frustrations and vicissitudes that I find myself saddled with. And if you pay attention, I try to keep the humor walking the fine line between humor and deadly seriousness because I think that a song works best when it matches you where you're at. Uh, with most of the songs in this episode, if you want to laugh, you can. Um, but if you want to really dig into the angst and frustration, well, there's nothing too silly that it prevents you from throwing yourself full tilt into those feelings. You can sing all these songs in earnest, and they work just as well as if they're sung in jest. And that's intentional, which is why the first song of the Bad Day Suite doesn't get trotted out as much, because it just doesn't have as much nuance as the others do. And of course, these songs are mostly about normal people, right? Like the damage that we all do to each other day to day, just busily going about our lives. I hate everyone, die motherfucker die, I'm so fucking happy. These songs are really about the friction that we all experience as we share our living spaces with perfect strangers, right? And because, for the most part, people suck and operate with the emotional intelligence of a 12-year-old, we often find ourselves in situations where we want to tear hair out. I mean, hopefully not our own, but if that's the only option to us, you know, tear, tear, tear. But sometimes our pain points move from the tyranny of small minds and general insouciances to woe that is created and perpetuated by legitimate bad guys. There are some truly abhorrent people out there. People that I imagine identify with the villains in movies. People that watch the bad guys doing evil shit to innocent people and go, yeah, that's what I want. You know, I mean, that's what I think anyway, I, I, because I just can't wrap my head around the way that some of these blackguards think. People that think being tough is just being an asshole. People that lie so easily you can't trust anything that comes out of their mouth. They could tell you the sky is blue and you'd feel compelled to check just to be safe. Folks that steal from people who have nothing because it's easy and the victims have no recourse. People that destroy things just because they can. People that tear down what others have spent their lives building, you know, just to do it. People that have toxic ways of thinking and being and participating in the world around them. It is crazy because anything can be turned into a toxic perspective. I can't tell you how many people I know that think they're in the right and that they know better and are instead just using their ostensibly principled perspective to divide and demean, discount and disparage. And where's the good in that? So rather than just vomiting in my mouth over and over again every time I have to be around toxic and troubled souls like this, I just turned to song. Motherfucker, it's about you that I sing Everything you say is just plain stupid Everything you do is dumb I don't wanna, I don't gotta, I don't like you You're the fucked up one I'm sorry, but it's true And there's nothing you can do You're just a pile of rotting trash You're a bust jewel, you are a fetid Massive losing, moist abusive, puke inducing, malignant trash. You pustule. 
don't wanna, I don't gotta, I don't like you I don't gotta do a thing You're a rotten moon that's been left to fester Frankly, you're just disgusting <laughs> Yeah, so over the top much? But you know, sometimes it just feels good to vent, right? Never wanna, just don't gotta, I don't like you And everything that you be Everything about you is just abhorrent You're a fucking misery Everything you say is fucking just so stupid Everything you do is trite I don't like the way that you're always whining I don't like you alright I'm sorry but it's true And there's nothing you can do You're just a pile of rotting trash you are a fetid, massive oozing, moist abusive, puke-inducing, malignant trash You pustule I don't wanna, I don't gotta, I just hate you, you're a hateful creep You're a gaping wound filled with pus and bile, a wound that goes too deep I don't wanna, I don't gotta talk to you, there's nothing to be said Everything you say is just ill-considered, you're better left for dead I think the thing that is fun about songs like this is that it provides a little release. We, all of us, have to deal with people we just don't like. And alas, there's not a ton of politically agnostic songs that are multi-purpose. So here you go, a song to sing when you're facing down jerks, bullies, assholes, and villains. Enjoy. So as a collective or individuals, to me, people often disappoint. Which should be great, right? Because that means I have fodder for new songs now and forever, huzzah! But I would be a disingenuous, not very thorough, crappy human behavior hater if I didn't include myself in the mix. Because more disappointing than self-entitled drivers and smug, unhelpful bureaucrats and passive-aggressive friends and all the other day-to-day -day burrs that discomfort my saddle, the most disappointing of them all in my heart of hearts is me. You know, I live with me all day long. I see all my flaws. I know me better than I know anyone else. And let me tell you, this jerk is a real jerk sometimes. I lie. I hate lying. Lying is such a difficult thing to do well. And even if no one catches you, you have to remember that lie. And you have to have it down. And the more lies you tell, the bigger the latticework of falsehoods you have to juggle, you know? I mean, otherwise the observant will note it. In fact, that's the one thing about lying that most inveterate liars don't realize. People catch us in lies all the time. They just don't have incentive to call us out. But what they do is they mark on their internal filing system, on the file for you, the word liar in big, bold, emblazoned letters, liar. And now your conversation forever and always is gonna stink. And I know this and have known this since I was pretty young. And even so, sometimes, without even thinking, despite the fact that all my whole business, everything I do, is built on brazen, unbridled, vulnerable honesty, I still find myself lying on occasion. And it fucking sucks. Now, the good thing is, owning up to the lie 
does help restore people's confidence in you, particularly if you get to it before they've noticed it's a lie. Even if it's a lie that was inconsequential. Like, I used to tell the story about how my song, VKFD, the fire truck song, was created. And I used to say that it was inspired by my little brother when he was a kid. Because it just felt more personal and that made for a better story in my estimation. But in reality, it was inspired by a conversation a good friend of mine had with his nephew, where they asked his nephew what he wanted to be when he grew up, and he said, a truck. And I was tickled by that, and I asked my friend, what did they say in response to that? And he said, the boy's parents were like, you can't be a truck. And I was like, wait, what? That's terrible. Don't tell a five-year-old that he can't be something. He has his whole life to figure that out. He has a whole lifetime of disappointment ahead of him. Let him, at least for right now, think that he can be a truck for Christ's sakes. So me making it my brother really didn't change anything. It's still a great story. But I used to use that lie all the time. There's probably even a record of it on Get Set Go's YouTube channel if you go back far enough in the archive live streams. And the thing is, yes, it's a little white lie, but isn't life hard enough without having to question what is reality and what are lies, right? Um, which is why I don't understand why politicians do it all the time. What's wrong with saying, hey, I'm talking to experts and we're figuring it out? Or, unfortunately, that's something I can't discuss with the entire country because it's a little too sensitive at the moment, but give us a couple months and we'll be able to tell you more. Like, why, why prevaricate at all? Isn't life hard enough without the lies? Like, why muddy the water? Um, like, what's wrong with treating us like sensible adults? Oh, oh, of course, that's right. Because we often don't behave like sensible adults. Duh. Anyway, so for all the invective and acrimony and disdain I express for the world, really truthfully, I feel that triple-fold for myself. But unfortunately, when I think about myself, the humor I can treat the rest of the world with, it just doesn't seem to show up with as much frequency. I'm the champ of failing and failure. I'm the king of fucking it up. I'm the best at being the worst. I'm really a winner. Cause I guess I don't work smart enough Oh, I'm the queen of promises undone I'm the best at letting you down I'm the principal, president, captain and chief of nothing Don't stick around Oh, you better get out Cause I'm a waste of space and time I'm a brick that won't mend right I'm a wound that just won't heal I'm a wound that just Sometimes I hate myself Sometimes I Sometimes I hate myself Now just recently, over the past couple years, maybe I'm beginning to feel like what I do might actually be pretty awesome. So why is it still so hard? All the touch turns to shit in the long run God forbid I should ever touch you Turn me off, turn me down, turn me in, turn me out, turn me over 
Oh, I don't know what to do Cause I'm a waste of space and time I'm the break that won't mend right I'm a wound that just won't heal I'm a wound that just Sometimes I hate myself 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 Well, that ended a lot darker than I thought it would. <laughs> no, no, I, I kid. I, that, it's intentional. Everything I do is intentional. Look, it's about nuance. I think what made Bill Hicks and Richard Pryor such great comedians was because they were A, hilarious, but they also invited you to think outside of your own realm of experience. And that's what I strive to do. Unfortunately, you are the arbiters of whether or not I succeed. And I say unfortunately because that is way more power than I want to give anyone. You know, there you go. What can I do? It's just the way it is. Um, if you like what I do and you share it with your friends and they share it with their friends, I'm a success and I can eat. And if you don't like it and don't share it, eventually I go away. Like every other person that does what I do that's not rich. You know, and that's it. That's the formula. And I know the stories I tell, the music I make, it, it's often challenging. It often hits you in the unexpected feels in unexpected ways. Even with the podcast, I've heard reports of people that, that have had to listen in installments because it, it was just too intense. And I get it. It's what I do. You know, it's art. It's not elevator music. It's not designed to be listened to in the background. Like literally, I write lyrics that I hope demand attention from people. Like, what did you just say? Right? But it also means that it's not always easy listening. So thank you for listening. Seriously, it means everything to me. I love you all. Be well. Eat your veggies. Live forever.